For the first time on Faves Forward, instead of talking to a clergy person, we're going to hear how a social service agency is faring during COVID-19. Neil Schindler is Director of Spokane Area Jewish Family Services and talks with us today about how this small agency is serving a big need right now. Welcome to Faves Forward, a podcast about how faith communities and nonprofits are staying connected during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Tracy Simmons. Well, I'm Neil Schindler. I'm the director of Spokane Area Jewish Family Services and have been since 2014. Um, and I'm also a member of Congregation Emmanuel, the Reformed Congregation here in Spokane, Reformed Jewish Congregation. And uh, is Spokane Area Jewish Family Services <laughs> connected to the Reformed Congregation? Um, there's no formal connection between us and either of the congregations housed here in the temple, but both are very supportive of JFS and its work, so... What, what um, is JFS? So JFS um, is a human services agency that provides uh, services primarily to senior citizens, low-income individuals and individuals living in poverty, and individuals who have disabilities. Now, of course, there's often overlap between those categories, but those are our, the main focus of our work is, is those populations. And uh, we... For as far as seniors are concerned, we do home hospice and hospital visits, both myself and many volunteers. Um, reassurance phone calls to kind of keep in touch, especially relevant now during COVID. And during under normal circumstances, we provide transportation to medical appointments and other essential errands. Again, it's been very limited under COVID. We're beginning to do that with some clients now taking the proper precautions, but still very limited. We uh, have, under normal circumstances, a, um, a monthly senior luncheon. So it's not just for seniors, but it's in the middle of a day on a Thursday. So often it's, you know, seniors uh, who attend and um, both Jewish and non-Jewish seniors uh, attend that. But um, it's, uh, it's at the temple and uh, there's usually a, a lunch and then a program of some kind, a performance or a talk. Um, during COVID, we have kind of moved into doing some virtual programs for the population that normally comes to the luncheons. So film discussions, book discussions, uh, a virtual concert where the klezmer band is coming up. Um, so there's this cultural programming piece and kind of the, the annual apex of that is the Jewish Film Festival that uh, JFS organized every year. And that event is uh, open to the entire public, any, anyone who's interested. And then um, other than that, we have a food bank. We have a financial assistance program to help people with um, things like rent and utility bills. Um, and uh, we have what's called a medical lending closet, which is a fancy way of saying uh, people can borrow walkers, wheelchairs, that sort of thing at no cost and keep them generally for a while. Uh, often used by seniors, but not exclusively. Yeah, and I may be forgetting one or two things, but oh, we also administer the, um, the PJ Library program, which um, for families, whether they're interfaith or just Jewish, families raising Jewish kids can receive free books every month that are tailored to the child's age. 
and are Jewish themed. So that's kind of an extra cultural piece that we do. But yeah, a lot of our work in the last few months has been delivering food from our food bank to clients, whether they're immunosuppressed clients, senior clients, or just clients who for one reason or another, you know, don't go out much under these circumstances, can't make it to the temple. We, you know, haven't been seeing clients at the temple. So yeah, we've had a lot of volunteers help deliver food. We've also done some financial assistance and a lot of like phone consultations to help people figure out logistically um, how to navigate the new landscape of resources. And I have to give a shout out to the fig tree, as I'm sure many people have, that, you know, they've kept such a good updated um, resource listing online uh, to indicate which agencies are doing what during COVID. So that's been very helpful. Um, but yeah, definitely have talked to some folks over the course of the last few months about finding shelter, um, dealing with either unemployment or reduced employment and the financial consequences, that sort of thing. How many people would you say you're serving right now? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'd have to run a, a few numbers to tell you um, like the number of unique individuals. But uh, for example, um, let's see. So I have <laughs> before COVID, I have like kind of an average month. March and April are kind of for us peak COVID. May in some categories is still pretty high in terms of our service. But to give you an idea, under normal circumstances, we might distribute 75 pounds of food in a month. Might be more, but it might be that. Um, in May, we distributed almost 200 pounds of food. So for us, that's a huge increase. That's almost three times the normal. We are a small agency, but for the people that we do serve, it's very important. And then um, on a normal month, we, we might have like 60, 70 senior contacts, like calls or I suppose emails or texts, anything like that. In March and April, we averaged almost 126. So that's solidly two times the usual. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the number of clients we have, it does vary as far as the non-senior clients. We have a lot of kind of people who need help for a month or two and then they're kind of off again and may even move. We probably serve about 100 seniors at any given time off and on, right? They're not all active clients in the sense that they have immediate needs or that, but in terms of visitation, delivering, you know, some things at the holidays to, to seniors, um, potentially coming to luncheon, yeah, probably about 100 with non-senior clients, as far as how many we will serve in a year, could be up to 200. But the thing is, you have to remember, they're not necessarily going to be coming back over and over. So yeah, usually each year I estimate, oh, we probably served about 300 unique individuals, but it could be more. It could be more. Especially this year. This year, it will almost certainly be more. And we're really, we're a small agency. We're doing a lot with a little. How small are you? I mean, you mentioned volunteers. I know you're the only full-time staff person. Is that right? Right. So I'm the only full-time staff person. I'm the only paid staff person. Um, the board's volunteer. Um, just to give you an example, just since March 12th. So that's for us. For, I feel like for our agency, that's when COVID really hit home because we canceled the luncheon that was scheduled for that day. And from there on, we shut down visits and transportation. So we've had 21 different volunteers help us in just the last, you know, three months and change. Um, and that's not including, now it does include a couple of board members, but the point is for a small agency to pick up a lot of new volunteers in a short time and to use that many volunteers in a relatively short stretch tells you that, you know, there was uh, 
a lot of demand and um, yeah, and we're still in touch with nearly all of those volunteers when needs do arise for clients and we try to match, you know, volunteers with needs. Yeah, well, I think people right now are looking for ways they can step up and, and help the community, so. Absolutely, no question yeah. about that. Um, so how can people get involved if they have extra time in their hands or extra um, finances maybe? We Well, <laughs> we, we definitely still have, um, uh, food deliveries we're making to clients. We also are very happy to accept uh, food bank donations. Um, just so folks know, uh, it, we have a food bank that's all shelf-stable, non-perishable goods. So can things, um, package things, things with a, an expiration date that's a ways out. And so anything that is non-expired, that is shelf-stable, non-perishable, um, we, we tend to appreciate getting. Um, Tuna and peanut butter are especially popular, I think, because they're high in protein. Um, but we get all kinds of different things, and things, things that are donated to the food bank don't need to be kosher. Some things are, some things aren't, but not all of our clients are Jewish, and even among those who are, they don't all keep kosher. So. Okay, I was going to ask about that. Probably best not to bring, like, you know, pork and shellfish, but most canned food isn't that, so. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned that a, a lot of your clientele uh, are senior citizens, are older folks. Mm -hmm. How are they transitioning to this new digital world that you're offering mm. them with your events and your activities? Well, I think this is actually a question that um, underscores for me the um, diversity among seniors, which I already was well aware of after being at this job for more than five years, but it runs the gamut as far as how seniors are adjusting. I definitely have had the experience that some seniors in the community are, are basically Zoom whizzes at this point um, and could probably teach Zoom to me. I mean, <laughs> could probably learn from them. And there are other folks who have struggled and who have needed uh, uh, extra assistance, which um, some of our volunteers have provided and some from the you know, Temple community. But um, yeah, as far as the the distress that one can feel not being able to leave a retirement community, not be able to have visitors even if they're family, which is less true today, but still in some communities, family can't visit. And in others for a few months there, you know, they, they had no visitors. Someone would have to drop off something at the entrance for their family member. I mean, that's, that's rough. And um, I think that some seniors have used Zoom more than others in order to stay in touch and feel connected. I have a feeling that among seniors, just as among you know the general population, some are Zoomed out. And in fact, when JFS uh, last month, I think it was, launched our virtual programs, which are basically every other week through, I think at least August, we'll see how it goes. I said in my, you know, my email to everyone, if you're zoomed out, we get it. <laughs> We're offering this as something that can, you know, maybe provide some variety, but um, but uh, don't feel bad if you don't want to have any more Zoom meetings. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it also depends on how many family members uh, a person has to be connected with. I think it's easier to be lonely when you don't have much family. And we have really, over the past few months, especially with the help of volunteers, tried to reach out to pretty much everyone and not just once to kind of follow up depending on how they're doing, uh, maybe even once a week, but then eventually maybe every other week to check in and see, do they have any like concrete practical needs? 
or do they, are they feeling kind of isolated more than usual even? And is there anything we can do to help? In some cases, we've helped people connect to the um, religious services, even though we're not a religious organization, we have a relationship with the temple. And for folks who weren't really feeling too confident about connecting to those virtual services to try to help them get there. We, I will say, I think we're especially important within the Jewish community for those um, individuals, senior or not, who are not affiliated because we are often a connection point that may or may not lead to their joining one of the congregations. They may never join, but they still have a connection to Jewish community through us. So I think that's a role that we play. And in the wider community, we certainly serve non-Jewish clients, especially, you know, the food bank and the financial assistance program. So. I didn't realize you guys had so much programming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, again, for a small organization, we we're pretty ambitious. But we, we also try to not get so big in terms of our scope that we lose focus on uh, serving seniors, which is one of the main things that are important to us. So. Yeah. Now, are you communicating directly with some of your clients more than you normally would, do you think, right now? Yeah, absolutely. And one of, I mean, <laughs> in my, my letter in the annual newsletter that went out recently, um, I commented that uh, one of the silver linings of this whole time has been it's given me a reason to reach out to some community members and specifically seniors that I hadn't talked to in possibly years. And it wasn't that there was any kind of conflict or anything. It's just I didn't have a pretext for reaching out. They may not be so, you know, closely connected with the community. And so they're out there somewhere. And I didn't have a particular reason to call them. They didn't have a particular reason to call me. But suddenly I could reach out and say, hey, I know it's been a while. How have you been doing, especially with everything that's going on, and have had some wonderful conversations and reconnecting. Uh, so that's been great. Yeah, so, oh, in general, I mean, just the statistic about uh, contacts, we've just really seen such a, an increase in, in being in touch by phone. And of course, that compensates for a decrease in visits. We've, you know, occasionally I've brought a senior client food and they've been in their garden and I've stayed well away and we've talked a little bit while wearing masks, but, but that's, you know, visits are a big part of what we do and that's been on hold for a while now. Yeah. Um, how has it affected you personally to hear their stories and to, to deal with them in this time? Um, well, I think by and large, I am impressed at, uh, many seniors willingness and ability to adapt to a new unfamiliar unprecedented situation and for me that's just a continuation of all of the experiences I've had that dispel kind of myths or stereotypes about seniors um, the idea that oh all seniors are not technologically savvy and all seniors are you know, stuck in a groove and they can't change or adapt. I mean, you know, these are broad generalizations that can be harmful in terms of how seniors are perceived. But I really see, you know, in general, uh, the opposite, or at least a great variety. Um, hearing about some people's isolation is hard, because at the end of the day, you can stay in touch with someone by phone, you can do video calls, you can send cards, but it's not the same as being there in the same room. And as someone myself who has, you know, a master's in counseling and has worked in that field as well, I know that just being in the same room with someone and talking with them and listening, there's nothing else like it. You can't, you know, there's no real substitute for that. So 
Yeah, um, I think that both myself and our volunteers have tried our best to just remind folks that they are not alone and that they are remembered, that they're not being forgotten about. And, you know, we've done our level best to try to make sure no one feels like they're falling through the cracks. Do you feel that in some capacity you are a counselor? What I would say is that um, I have been able to use the skills that I learned in my master's program at Eastern. Um, uh, I have used those skills throughout my time at JFS. I'm always clear if it ever comes up that I'm not visiting with someone or meeting with someone in an official capacity or formal capacity as a counselor. But as you probably know, and as probably most listeners know, there's a lot of overlap between counseling and social work. And a lot of people with masters in social work end up being counselors. And I have to say, probably a lot of people with counseling degrees end up in social work, which is what's happened to me. So yeah, I mean, I think that it has been extremely powerful for me over the years to listen but not argue and try to maintain a non-judgmental stance because I talk to people from all walks of life with all kinds of opinions. And I have benefited a lot by being in the role of hearing what's going on and validating the feelings that are happening and you know, not rushing to problem solving, even though a lot of social work, I think stereotypically is problem solving, kind of the nitty gritty. But that piece of just listening to someone so that they can be heard and not feel as much alone that's very important. So yeah, I mean, a lot of the skills and the attitudes and the philosophies of counseling do go into this work for sure. When we first got news of, of this virus, um, did you ever consider just to pause your events? Um, or did you immediately think we have to digitize this and bring people mm. together? So because, we, because we're a nonprofit that's community supported, I can tell you that pretty soon the thought was, what are we going to do about our May benefit? You know, we have an annual benefit luncheon. It was clearly not going to happen. It was scheduled for mid-May, and this was mid-March. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, it was very clear that everyone and their brother was postponing benefit events, nonprofits all over. So that was kind of job one, was to adapt that. Because we felt, the board and myself, we felt that we needed kind of not only a, a quote-unquote placeholder, we needed to keep that event in the schedule because this was only the third annual benefit event we've done of this kind, but also it would be meaningful to the community because we brought a speaker virtually now from Seattle, Karen Trager, who talked about her memoir about her family's Holocaust history, and we brought her, and we also honored um, a few of our community members for their service um, as volunteers, outstanding service, including Carla Pepperzak, who, you know, probably has, <laughs> I, I, this is not true, but she probably could have a room full of accolades. She's been honored and awarded in all kinds of ways for her work in Holocaust education and is in fact the 2020 Washingtonian of the year. But we also wanted to honor her for her work and two other community members, Bill and Berdine Bender. And so we wanted to have this event happen and we, we made it work um, digitally. But um, as far as the luncheons, it took me until after that fundraiser was over to start thinking, you know, it's going to be a good long while before we can gather dozens of seniors safely in one space. And even with distancing, I, I, I think it's going to be like phase four or maybe even beyond that. I don't know. So I thought, well, let's see what we can piece together. 
an offer for free over the next few months. Um, and if people want to partake, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. But um, it's a way to kind of keep that piece going because it's important that we provide programs that appeal to particularly seniors. It is a senior lunch, but now they're really open to the community at large. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's always fun putting together programs. And, and so that's been, that's been good. The one big question that I have is, will we be able to have a Jewish film festival this coming winter? And I don't know the answer to that. We do have a grant for the film festival. Um, and if we can't have it in person, we will go online the way so many film festivals all around the world have done. You know, if I have to, I'll study the different models of doing it and then we'll do it because that's an important community event for not just the Jewish community, but the larger inland Northwest community. So. Yeah, congratulations on your grant. I just read about that. The other Thank day. you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, small regional grants really help us out because we're a small organization. A little goes a long way for us. Mm -hmm. Now, the film festival, if I remember correctly, was your, your baby, right? You started that? I didn't start it. Oh, um, okay. It predated me by quite a few years. I want to say that the upcoming film festival will be the 17th annual. I've been here for about five and a half years. So I think it, it may be that this coming one will be my seventh. Um, what I have done, I think, is put a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it because I'm uh, very uh, fond of film as a medium and love film since a young age. And so I care a lot about the festival. Um, but no, it started well before my time. And I think it has remained throughout both a way for us to provide a cultural program for the larger community to enjoy. It's a way for us to reach out and make people more aware of JFS's work. And it is a small fundraiser for us. It's not a big one. You know, if we break even, that's fine. We make a little more than that, that's great. But the main thing is to create this meaningful cultural program that there's nothing else like it in the Inland Northwest, so. Yeah, because uh, a lot of members of the Spokane community who aren't Jewish uh, look forward to this every year. And and, and, you know, the kosher dinner for, I think it was not quite 80 years, was a way that the non-Jewish community here, um, you know, all kinds of different folks connected with the Jewish community. And a few years ago, as your listeners may know, um, that was ended for various reasons. But to my understanding, in this region, this is the largest Jewish cultural event that's completely open to the public. So that's a, that's a big responsibility for us. Hopefully we meet it every year. Yeah. And people can just stay, stay tuned to your website for information. Yes. Um, you know, they can always go to the website and um, uh, contact information for me is on the contact us page and they can always email or call. They want to be on the email list for the film festival. Um, and we also send out postcards every year to give people the information. We'll probably do that even if it's virtual, just because a lot of folks, you know, it really stays on their fridge and it reminds them. But yeah, people are, are welcome to get in touch and, and we'll, we'll make sure they stay informed what we're going to do. Okay. But uh, an event you do have coming up here on July 1st, you have another book discussion that will be live on Zoom, I guess. We do. Um, so yeah, so Karen Trager was our guest speaker for the benefit event, but that talk was, uh, you know, kind of a meditation on the theme of gratitude and not, not hugely focused on the sort of ins and outs of her memoir, but this will be more of a kind of straightforward book talk 
Um, she did one for aunties a couple months ago, virtually. And um, yeah, I mean, as the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, it's always um, quite sobering to read a, a Holocaust memoir, but also um, they're important stories that you know need to be preserved and carried forward. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's July 1st. And if folks are interested in joining, they're welcome to email me um, using the contact information on the site. If they're outside the Jewish community, that's okay. I can give them the link and password, uh, but we're hoping to have a good turnout for that. You mentioned that these events are originally were aimed for um, JFS uh, clientele, but now you're kind of open for everybody. Are you seeing more people start to get involved and tune in to some of these things? About the luncheons and the virtual programs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so, I mean, the, since the virtual programs are kind of carrying on the spirit of the luncheons, the luncheons really started, I think, mostly as for Jewish seniors, and they used to be called the senior luncheon. And we changed a few years ago to JFS luncheon, so people knew, oh, if I'm not a senior, so welcome to attend. And increasingly, we've had uh, still a minority, but definitely some attendees who aren't Jewish. They may be friends with someone in the Jewish community. They may have a Jewish spouse, whatever the case may be. Um, and they're absolutely welcome. Um, these events that are online, I mean, because of how Zoom works, we can have many, many people attend and it doesn't really create much more difficulty for us. And the more people, the merrier for most of these events. Um, we can always have breakout rooms for discussion, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say particularly right now, these events are pretty open um, and uh, it would be a neat way for us to reach a few more people than we would normally do just through the luncheons. But regarding the luncheons, you know, we've sort of developed a list over the years of people that want to be included in the monthly mailings or emailings and that's how they find out the information, so. Sure. And I imagine you're kind of in a state of limbo because you're probably starting to think about what the next phase could look like, but now we're kind of seeing this uptick again. Yeah, what are you guys thinking I mean, about the future? Any planning or? I, you know, we are, as of July 1st, we'll have two new board members and two board members will be departing their, um, uh, not aged out, <laughs> but um, termed out. There we go. They have served their full amount and, and are leaving the board, which is, you know, they did a great job, but I think it's, working with the board and particularly the officers, the leadership, I will probably be kind of gauging month to month uh, how it looks here. I will say one thing that's been helpful in the past few months, I've participated in both webinars and conference calls with both other Washington State nonprofits and other Jewish human service agencies around the country. Of course, different agencies have, are in different states and have different uh, rules that they need to follow, but there are a lot of parallels between what other agencies are doing and what we might adopt um, in our practices. But you know, the watchword is just, especially working with vulnerable populations, whether that's folks who are seniors or folks who are immunosuppressed or anything like that, is caution first, you know? Um, we wanna err on the side of caution. I've heard a few people say in the last uh, month or so, well, I know we're in phase two, but I'm still operating as if we're in phase one. And you know, one webinar I was in, the director of JFS Seattle, uh, Will Berkowitz, um, was kind of expressing that. He was saying, you know, we're going to roll out our reopening more slowly than the state. Because they do work with a lot of people in vulnerable populations, and they're a much bigger agency, and so there are a lot more folks that they touch, quote unquote, and, you know, can't, <laughs> can't physically touch, but 
they just don't want to endanger anyone unnecessarily, but they also still want to try to serve. And I understand that very well. So yeah, it's going to be kind of, uh, we're going to have to keep <laughs> reviewing and reassessing as the months go on. But yeah, the few um, uh, situations now where we're transporting people to essential medical appointments that they can't miss, um, I'm wiping down surfaces on the car, I'm wearing a cloth mask. I mean, they're wearing a mask. Uh, we're doing what we can because, you know, there are appointments some people do have to go to, but yeah, it's just essential transportation right now. Anything else you want to add, Neil, about what you guys are doing or what people can, can do to support you guys? Um, that's a great question. Let me think for a second. You know, I would say the main thing is over the past few months, it's been both really humbling and a great learning experience to be in the field of human services. Um, that said, I certainly don't want to minimize the hardship so many people are facing. I would prefer to learn <laughs> in a different way when, when there isn't so much uh, stress and, uh, and suffering. But because this is what's happening and because we have a mission to serve people, especially those facing hardship, we have had to operate a bit more like a crisis response agency. That's not what we are, um, but here and there, we've done more of that kind of work and that's been very, very edifying. The last thing I would just say is when I think about the values that JFS uh, bases its work on, you know, we're not a religiously affiliate, affiliated uh, organization, but we are basing our work on Jewish values. I think of tikkun olam, repairing the world, or at least repairing, helping to repair our little corner of it. Gemilut um, hasadim, which is loving kindness, which of course you see in many faith traditions and many philosophies. And sadaka, which is assisting those who have little or who are facing hardship. And those are even more um, clear to me as the values that our work is based on because we faced, particularly in March and in April, um, such a glut of needs and, um, and did so much outreach. And it's, you know, we really have these, these guiding principles. And uh, because of the work of so many people before me, you know, we're a 21-year-old agency, but we were prepared. You know, I, it was very um, heartening that that volunteers, uh, particularly within the Jewish community, sprang into action and uh, were so open to helping. So very gratifying to, to see that. Yeah, everyone's coming together. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the first time we've done a podcast that focused on a nonprofit rather than a faith community. And I think, mm -hmm. I think we might do more of them because I, I think it's of interest to people. So thank you for being our first guest on in that area. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would also say as a final note, I have seen so much collaboration between both existing and kind of newly emerging nonprofits that have all worked together to try to help people. It's that that's also encouraging. It's not just on the individual level. But yeah, so much collaboration. It's it's lovely to see. Yeah. That was Neil Schindler talking about how his work at JFS is impacting him and teaching him during this pandemic. Thanks for listening to Faves Forward, which you can find on our website, SpokaneFaves.com, or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We're in the middle of a membership drive. Anyone who signs up to be a monthly Spokane Faves donor gets a free t-shirt. It's a great way to show your support for what we do. 
and any amount qualifies, even $5 a month. To sign up, visit favesmembers.com. That's favesmembers, F-A-V-S, members.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.